Hello and welcome back to another episode of It's, it's Risky, Risky Business. Business. I'm your host, Sten Garcia. And I'm his trusted co-host, Amanda Hulka. Oh, lovely, lovely co-host. And we're here with Andrew Cass. Andrew, how you doing? Good. How's it going, guys? Going fantastic. Good. Welcome in. Thank you. Good to be here. So Andrew is a 22-year sales and marketing veteran and the best-selling author of Sales Velocity. Andrew has an uncanny ability to see opportunities for increasing sales conversions and expanding profit opportunities in just about any business. Having built three separate seven-figure businesses of his own before the age of 41, he went on to architect quite a few highly successful online marketing campaigns and sales processes that have helped many scale from zero to seven figures in annual revenue. Today, Andrew leads a syndicate team of high caliber sales and marketing experts and andrew is also a friend of mine and you sir are a badass <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't expecting that intro but i'll take it all right <laughs> so Thank we're you. a podcast about exploring risks the the journey that every entrepreneur takes the obstacles the the swerves the lane changes that we all have to make mm -hmm. throughout life so we'd like to hear a little bit about your own personal journey yeah, the obstacles is the key word, right? If people think that when they see somebody who's successful, they think that, wow, they're an overnight success. They probably didn't have any obstacles or any challenges that they had to overcome. And really, the ones that are the most successful, probably quietly behind the scenes, had the most obstacles. I can think of, for me, when I was transitioning from traditional job, I was in the investment banking business in New York, and then I was in the mortgage banking business. And when I made the decision that I no longer wanted to be in like that corporate America financial banking space, and I wanted to get into internet marketing, information marketing at the time. By the way, this is pre-Google. This is pre-Facebook and pre-anything video. And I'm like, it just had this fascination with getting out of the, the office and being able to work wherever I wanted to by creating information and training programs online and coaching programs. And it was a big leap for me because it was basically uncharted territory because it was kind of an industry that didn't even exist. Where like today you see people creating courses online, coaching programs, they do live events, they're doing boot camps. It's like automatic today. When I was doing it, it was like, what, what, what does that even mean? Right. So I was venturing in two ways. I was, I was venturing away from good pay and venturing into an arena that was pretty much not known and, and unproven. So those were my, right. my big two you know, hurdles early on. Yeah. Those are big ones. Yeah. And <laughs> money and does this industry even exist? Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, and in terms of how the technology itself has transitioned yeah. over the course of, of your career, because before posting a video was so much more difficult. Now we have these amazing cameras in our pockets. We can connect with audiences and clients immediately. Right. Yeah. So simplicity today is key. I, I always tell people if you're getting started with any kind of online venture today, it's kind of easy, even though it looks overwhelming. It's because there's so many choices. Yeah. When I was getting started online, there was no Google. There was no right. social media. There was no video. Google wasn't even public yet. And we would only, we had one advertising channel. So it kind of reminds me of when we had like three TV channels. It wasn't overwhelming to pick a show. When we had one advertising channel, which was Yahoo, by the way. Right. Yahoo's <laughs> overture platform was what Google is today. That was it. You just went on Yahoo and you put ads up, just like running ads in the newspaper. And you just drove traffic to your offer. And it was pretty simple because there wasn't a ton of competition. And there wasn't like 16 different social media channels that you had to compete with. And I'm sure direct mail marketing, right? That was a big one. TV and direct mail and newspaper always stood the test of time. But as an internet guy at that time, I was all internet. Right. Even though we did a little offline stuff, it was all about where can we advertise on this 
new thing called the internet, right? This right. is like when people have AOL emails. Right, this yeah. is like, is this a proven thing? Is email going to stick? Is advertising online even going to stick? That's when I got my start. So there were some obstacles there with just proof of concept and the fact that I ventured out on, on, on leaving consistent money as well. Yeah. Which is always the scary part That's about the stressful going out, piece. You know, going yeah. out on your own. It's, it's that steady paycheck that you're basically throwing off the ledge with yourself into with, with, as they say with no net, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No safety Literally, net. Literally no, no net. net. <laughs> no net. No safety net. So as you know, Amanda and I have founded an organization called Creatives for Connection. We are left brain networking for right brain individuals. Our goal is to bridge the gap for the creative community in terms of allowing them to understand the importance of tapping into that left brain, mm. which is a lot of what your business and coaching is centered around. Mm -hmm. I feel like sales funnels mm -hmm. and increasing leads and, and that whole aspect of owning a business. So I'd like to hear your take and, and some things that, that you in your own coaching career teach other businesses that is important. By the way, I love that angle you guys take with the left and the right, because you, you you mostly have cre creatives listen to you. Yeah. Right? Creative entrepreneurs. It's like designers. Yeah, photography, photography videography. Right? A lot of so, small business startups as well because it takes a lot of creative mind to to create a new brand. Right. So those people are incredibly talented at what they do. But just like any profession, whether it be doctor, lawyer, accountant, they got really good at their thing, but nobody really taught them how to market their thing along the way. Yeah. And that's the biggest crutch that I see when I deal with mostly brick and mortar and, and traditional business owners, professional practice owners or whatever, is they didn't get that training along the way. So they sort of get stuck quick because if you can only promote yourself to like your warm audience for so long. And then you're like, well, where do I go from here? Mm -hmm. How do I even get on social right. media? Do I even know how to create a sales funnel or a sales process to put people through? And usually the answer is no. Right. And that's kind of something I was fortunate enough to go through early on. I sort of saw early on, I like to think I'm a visionary where I can kind of see trends early on. I saw the trend early on that a lot was going online, but in order for online to work, you need to make it convert. Mm -hmm. In order to make it convert, you need to have something that's compelling that solves a problem. And that's really today as a sales consultant and as a CRM consultant, I have my own software company also, our own software platform, that's a sales and marketing CRM. That gives people a lot of the technology and the automation to get the offer to fly. But yeah. without that good offer and without creating some sort of promotion around what it is that you do, you as a video guy, by the way, you're a badass video guy too. Oh, thank you. You said I was badass. <laughs> he, by the, he does all my video work, by the way. Too, and touche, it's phenomenal. Touche. Touche. So, you know, you're doing a good job now as an example of somebody who connected the dots where, okay, I can only get so good at my thing before it won't matter if people don't know about it. Mm. I often jokingly say you could have the cure for cancer, but if nobody knows about it, nobody's going to get cured. Right. Yeah. So that's like the, the paradigm shift that when you can get a creative to make that shift, it can oftentimes be a huge breakthrough. But a lot of times it's really difficult to get them to buy in to the fact that, wait a minute, I need to be the photographer and the marketer too. Yeah. That becomes two jobs in one. And now it's like, well, that wasn't what I was expecting when I started my business. Right. 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 So... That's the tricky part. Tell me more about the CRM and what's important about systemizing these type of things, especially if you're going to be successful and want to get to that next level. Yeah. So we have a platform called Pipeline Pro, and it's a sales and marketing CRM, which essentially does a lot of the grunt work for business owners. You have a funnel builder in there. You have email. You have text. You have voice broadcast. So you can... You can automate a lot of your communication. What a lot of business owners do today is they manually communicate 
with their prospects and it and it's disorganized and clunky and the client even if it's subconscious the prospect sees that the communication is sort of jumbled and sort of patched together and not real thoughtful and not real organized and that's a deterrent to sales yeah so if you can automate and leverage a lot of the technology that we have today to help your sales process become more automated and a little bit more strategic and a little bit more um, presentable, then it makes a huge difference versus just saying, hey, I'm going to go get some leads and pour them into my Gmail inbox and then shoot them a text from my phone and then maybe call them in a week. And there's a lot of maybes and not a lot of organization going around right. and, right. It, and it becomes yeah. very ineffective. Mm -hmm. So that's why that's become a big piece of what I do lately is giving somebody the software to execute the strategy. That's huge. It's very important. And I know that Amanda and I, very early on in our own separate careers, mm -hmm. those are exactly some of the things that we weren't doing. Just keeping track of which potential lead we were in contact with when we reached out to them, keeping track of what email follow-up we sent if we if we gave them a phone call. And these yeah. things are critical yeah. to building a business. One yes. thing falls through the cracks and you've lost a lead. And here's the deal. On my side of this, on my side of the, the sales and marketing world, I see the escalating cost of generating a lead online today. Every month, every year, it slowly ticks up. So if you wanna go run Facebook ads, which is like the most popular mecca today to run ads, you don't, you, I mean, you can be out of that game fast. That's like going to the blackjack table with a little bit of confidence yeah. and a good chunk of money, but not really knowing how the game works and being out of that game and out of that casino pretty quick. Wow. So with what it takes to buy a good lead today, you better be really organized with how you're gonna handle that lead in the back end so that you can do more with less. Yes. Because today you have to figure out a way to do more with less. And if you don't, you're out of the game quick and you're back to just doing your thing and hoping for referrals. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it becomes a vicious cycle. Maybe not what you wanted to hear here today, but it becomes <laughs> a vicious cycle if you let it. It's often the things that we don't wanna hear that we need to hear. Yes. And as creatives, it's easy to get into the comfort zone of our very right-brained uh, mode of thinking. And, yep. and these are important things that this is really what we want to do to help facilitate these kind of conversations that are not easy to have and help us navigate the risks that and the, the potential failures that do co come up along the way. The more avenues the creative brain can tap into to learn how to promote themselves, the quicker that they can probably get to the profit level they need to get to to make it full time, Yes, scale it, yeah. make it work. And that's, we're very adamant about that. We want people in the creative community to be successful. We don't like this concept of if you're going to be a photographer, you're going to be starving. Yeah, you're starving you know, artists. It, it's, if That's a narrative it, that has stuck for some time. You think of artists and musicians and there's like this loose term called the starving artist, musician or artist, artist whatever, yeah, yeah. all of it. And it's like, man, that that's like, that's some pretty damaging language to it, have it, with it yourself. It very much is. Right? And this is a conversation that we've had a couple times through both the organization and here on the podcast. And that's a glass ceiling that has been spoken to us for far too long. And I think as a generation and as a multi multifaceted industry of creative entrepreneurship as a whole, we're going to just break through it. Good. Yeah. We're not and I think it. that that, that starts with understanding the left brain side of business, which is things like lead generation. And I want to, I want to go back into that a little more because let's say I, I've often heard small businesses say, well, I get enough uh, word of mouth mm -hmm. referrals. That's, that's really Common. most of my, most of my business that comes in. Why do I need to go and spend money on, on lead generation or marketing online? My answer is you don't. However, referrals are very un, they're very, they're very 
I guess, not really reliable because you don't know when they're coming. Right. If you can crack the marketing code of getting leads either online, it could be from TV, it doesn't have to be the internet, it could be TV, it could be direct mail, like you said, it could be newspaper. But if you can figure out a way to, to, to consistently and systematically bring leads in, in addition to having a nice, healthy referral business, that's like winning the game. Right. Because there's not one or the other. So that's oftentimes an alibi for somebody who doesn't want to go learn. Right. They go, well, well, why do I need to go learn? I have all these referrals. And I'm like, well, how many did you get last week? How many did you get last month? Where are they at in the sales cycle? How many have converted? What's the cycle? Yeah. They're like, deer in headlights <laughs> like, moment. What? Deer in headlights <laughs> moment. But like, listen, but, but really successful business owners take, I have a couple, uh, two clients that are attorneys and they're really smart. Attorneys tend to be like the creatives. Mm -hmm. I'm really good at my legal field but I don't know how to market because law school mm. didn't teach me to. It's right. a similar analogy, right? Yes. But the ones who crack the code and they can market and do their thing and bring it all together, they win the game and they can they can start to now see their numbers. Right. So the, the, the paradigm shift for a lot of creatives is, well, A, I don't want to go have to learn this because I have referrals. Mm -hmm. And B, even if I do go learn it, when would I find the time to even do it? So they run into both hurdles. They have a little comfortability factor on the fact that they have referrals and then they sort of have this dialogue, I call it an alibi, yeah. where because they have referrals, they feel they don't need to go learn it, but yet the world is sort of getting a, getting away from them yeah. if they don't figure out a way to get leads from the web, the internet today, which right. I think is a critical component of any business, creative, lawyer, doctor, doesn't matter. Yeah, it's very important to have a web presence. I know with the advent of Instagram and how popular it is, well, people are like, well, I have many followers there, that's where I get most of my business, but uh, to have a fully structured business, I think that having a, a proper website is part of it. Absolutely. You just need to have that presence. Yeah, yeah, and not and not sloppily created social channels. I mentioned I saw sloppily is sloppily. the word. By the way, no, you're right. It's it's messy today. Yeah, and you yeah, can see it. You have to clarify your voice and yeah. your messaging early on, and and perfect that as you go along, so that you because there is so many fish and there are so many fish in the sea. Mm -hmm have your brand voice uh, really determined before you step out. Yeah, for sure. And that's a conversation that we had a couple of episodes back with uh, Tawdry, which is a handmade jewelry brand. And in the in the conversation, I said, there's a, a million jewelry brands out there, but the, what sets them apart is their culture, the brand that they created around them and how they market their business. Yeah. Super, super important. How they connect newsletters and just- See, they get Constant it. contact. They get it. You know? Yeah. They get it. Most don't. They do. Yeah. It's and listen, at the end of, and at the end of the day, the ones who say, "Well, I could never do that. It's not my thing. I'm the I'm the creative person." Then there's an opportunity to find a way to partner. If you don't have the funds to hire, you figure out a way to partner. So I know a lot of business ventures that you have the lawyer, so to speak, and then you have the marketing director, who's marketing the lawyer. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you have to get you get creative on your on your relationships because if you're not going to do it, you've had that story with yourself. You're not going to go hire it. Well, then you might want to give up some of the percentage of your business to partner with the person who can do it. Because I'd rather make I don't know fifty percent of a hundred thousand than a hundred than a hundred percent of twenty thousand. Right. Because you'll make more money because you'll have so many more leads coming in. So you got to figure out a way to make it work, even if you're not the one making it work. Right. And that sometimes is a tricky conversation too, because most people go, I don't want to give up even 1% of my company. Yeah. Well, do the math. How's right. that working out? Right. Without any marketing. What would you say in terms of sales process, 
some of the pillars that you've talked about in your own coaching and, and things that you feel are the most important for anyone that really wants to start taking a look at how they generate leads and market their business? Once somebody goes beyond the referral game, they need to figure out like the one thing that they specialize in, the one thing that they're really good at, and that solves a problem that they can market online. See, here's what, and I had this conversation with a client yesterday. They have a, um, a wellness clinic. And I said, so how are you guys, because they're, they're about to go online. So that's the reason they hired me. So now as you go online with this clinic website, and you know clinic websites are kind of like brochures online. Right. Sitemap, here's who we are, here's what we do. Kind of basic. It's mm -hmm. what you see with a lot of business owners today. When you go online, I said, what, what is going to be like the hook? Like what will make you different than the 17 other clinics within your same zip code to make people book a consultation? Right. And they're like, well, I hadn't thought that far yet. Yeah. I said, well, that's the issue. So what I would do is let your website be your brochure online, but then co-create an offer. What works really well today is some sort of information. So in my world, we call this education-based marketing, mm -hmm. where you might have a free report, a white paper, a webinar, a video, a demonstration of some kind of what it is that you do, and you'll drive traffic to that to get people to see if what you have is a solution to their problem. Mm -hmm. Micro-commitment, exchange of value, lead generation, database being built, leads building over time, big list being built over time. Right. Now, all of a sudden, you have another, what I call oil well in your business. Your first oil well was your website that gets some leads and referrals. The second oil well can drive volume because it's an offer, it's education, it's value, it's solving a problem. Yeah, That's, that's a lot there. Great. But if you can figure out how to crack that code, it works really well. So I can give you some examples of what we see on TV and we're kind of unconscious to it. There's one financial firm that's killing it above all right now because the only way they market is get our CD, get our DVD, get our free guide. I don't know, the seven pitfalls to not be broken retirement or get our CD about how if you know you have annuities, you could, you could maybe be paying too many fees. Like something that's value education, non-invasive, sales sort of wall goes down, call or go online, two ways to respond. Some people will never go online and order it older demographic, someone go online, they don't want to speak to anybody. Right. Call or call or go to the website, call or go to the website, and that's all they market. And they've built a monster, a monster business of, I don't know, 55 or 6 billion under management, something like that, just wow. from information-based marketing. Wow. Not wow. call our firm, ask us about our services. Yeah. It's go get the information, right? So it's a low threshold offer mm -hmm. versus call the firm and get pitched. Right. And that's the shift that often makes the biggest difference. Yeah. And that's like a funnel, right? We talked about sales funnel. That's sort of like a sales funnel. Yeah. Because it's important to, to build your, your email list as well, a potential yes, client list. Yes, for sure. There you go. I mean, there's, a, there's, a, there's an asset now being created in your business. You guys watch Shark Tank? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So what's the first thing that they always ask these contestants on Shark Tank as they're sort of going and they've explained their whole thing and you have the sharks in it? What's normally the first thing they'll ask? What are your net sales? Trivia, yeah, yeah, there you go. Well, how are sales? How are what sales? are your sales? So the real creative guy goes, well, shit, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I just have this amazing process and I need, need money. Yeah. So he's like having the wrong conversation, especially yeah. with Mr. Wonderful. He's having the wrong conversation. Yeah. He's already out, right? Yeah. So the real question is, and, and the second behind that is, is you know, how do you, how do you generate leads? Yeah. Do you have a list? They don't really get into that on Shark Tank as much, but investors would. They would mm -hmm. say, okay, you have X amount of sales. 
but ha- what's your database look like? Most companies will buy a company based on the database. Some right. companies will buy companies because of the database. Mm. The sales could be okay, but the database is huge. Right. 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 So if you're not building a list, because most people won't buy now, if you're not building a list so that you can sell to them and market to them and just communicate with them over time, you're leaving a huge, just a huge hole in the whole process. Yeah. yeah. That's actually what I used as a component of the sale of my wedding video business, which is the list of past clients and just people that have inquired, which comes along with it because they could send out newsletters to them. And each one of those people have a cousin or an aunt or a brother or something that might be getting married. So they're still... Uh, could be business there oh, yeah. without a doubt and and, and statistically probably two-thirds of those you get in front of will buy later not now mm. yeah. but yet most businesses are buy or die mm-hmm. meaning they make an offer now and they're on to the next it's yeah. like you know i said in my book sales velocity you can be a hunter or a fisherman a hunter hunts for today a fisherman lures over time it takes over him time. longer yeah. mm-hmm. he lures the right client in and he builds an asset And that's something that I think that creative entrepreneurs can really build on because as creatives, so much of our work is personal based. We bring so much of ourselves to it. So as we build those relationships over time, we allow those potential clients to get to know us more, which I think increases Mm -hmm. the opportunity for a sale in the future because you become a trusted name with them. Yeah, for sure. And you have to stay in front of them too. Absolutely. So it's not just staying in front of the cold leads who've never bought. It's that too. It's staying in front of the ones who have bought so they refer more Yep. Mm -hmm. so that you have a referral strategy like we talked about in the beginning, and you have a cold lead nurturing strategy, mm-hmm. strategy, which that's a lot of what my software does is it nurtures, right? So that's the key is it's kind of a one-two punch. Right. If you're a local business, some businesses aren't really referral-based, but the ones that are and the ones that do the best have a strategy for both. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what would you say is some strategies for keeping clients in after the service, the product has been sold? Like retention, retention, the ones that are paying that need to keep paying or, or that could be returned customers in any field, really. And it applies for creatives as well. Some of them who are selling some sort of product or design video photo services. The, uh, the businesses that are one-off direct sales struggle a bit today because it's like project based. Here's my, like if you're doing photography, right? right? Here's my project. I do the wedding. I'm done. Right. So it's, you get a little more money now, but if you can somehow figure out a way to not only get the project based side of the business, but some sort of a retainer based side of the business, yeah. you're going to obviously create longer tail money. Not every business model can do that, but you'd be surprised how many can that don't think they can. Right. right. So that's a big piece. The retention piece when you do have them in. So there's a retention of the clients who are paying you monthly. So I'll, I'll tackle that first. And for them, you need to keep demonstrating the value that you're bringing them. You Mm -hmm. can't just have a client, have a retainer coming in, deliver what you deliver, but not continue to remind them how valuable you are to them Mm. because you know what you're doing. They don't always see what you're doing and they sometimes can't really appreciate it because they just see you on their statement at the end of the month. Yes. So you got to be really careful to, to, even though you know, and we take it for granted, you have to keep demonstrating the value I brought you in this month and hopefully it it shows ROI. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The direct sales, like if you're doing a wedding and you're taking a fee to do a wedding, then what you need to do with that person is obviously get paid, do the job. But then if you can, and you do this great, get testimonials, yeah, right? Really maximize the experience you created for that one person so that when others are looking into you, you can share exactly the experience you created with that one client with others. And then somehow let that live online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Case studies, testimonials. Um, if you're building a lead list, like we talked about before, to be able to sprinkle in videos and case studies and 
and, and just feedback of clients you've worked with along. It's like they, they never stop hearing how good you are. Yeah. yeah. So you almost have to kind of be, be deliberate about being omnipresent in the front of the leads that you generate. But if you're not generating any leads, back to what we started talking about, then you don't really have a way to share all this great content. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's a little dangerous to be only referral-based because there's no real way to stay in front of anybody because you're just kind of hanging around waiting for the next referral. Yeah. Yeah. Hoping that they see what you're putting out. Hoping. Yeah. Hope is not a strategy, right? Hoping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah. It's important to get in front of that. And in terms of ter- testimonials and reviews, I've gotten many clients because they've read reviews online. And at the beginning of my business, being a creative, being a little overly emotional sometimes on mm-hmm. the right side, I felt I didn't want to be pushy asking for these reviews, but you got to go after those reviews because even if you did great work for somebody, they're going to forget to write you a review. You have to go after those reviews. And it's led to business for me, getting getting those reviews online. It's super important. And you want to get component. them right away because it's sort of out of sight, out of mind, right? Yeah. If you yeah. don't get them right away, they're like, well, kind of forgot how good you did three months ago, yeah. right? Absolutely. Part of the strategy would be get it right away so you can build that little social proof component of what you did for that client. Yeah. When you think about platforms like Airbnb and VRBO, those listings survive because of the reviews. And Airbnb, if you book uh, a stay or an experience, they ask you as soon as your booking ends, right there on the spot, your booking has ended, please rate your your experience. Yeah. Social proof. Yeah, yeah, social proof. Right and, away. And they know that those reviews and those real-time reviews are crucial to the success of those properties or experiences or exactly. whatever the case may be. And because there's some big conglomerate now going public, I think, that doesn't mean that the little business owner can't adopt the same strategies on a smaller scale. So right. a lot of people right. dismiss that too. They go, oh, Airbnb does that. I could never do that. Well, you could take a piece of what Airbnb is doing and you could do a lot of that, totally. right? Just by getting a testimonial from a client on a transaction would be a leap of all leaps. Right. Yeah. You do it. Yeah. And then capitalize yeah, yeah. on it. Put it out there. Put it on and your newsletter. Yeah. Put it on your newsletter. Right. Voted, you know, or this review just in be right. shameless about it. We always absolutely. say unapologetic marketing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. If you have a problem with promoting yourself because you feel like you're going to sound too, I don't know, over the top hypey, I guess the bad news today is you're going to have a real hard time building and scaling a business. Right. Oh, yeah. So there has to be, I guess, some sort of moment with yourself where you say, hey, I'm going to make this shift and be a really good promoter of my stuff because I, I believe in what it is that I do. Exactly. I feel yeah. strongly about it. I always sort of get skeptical of the business owner who has trouble promoting, not because they don't know how to, but because I wonder if they have enough belief in what it is that they're selling. Right, that's and a again, good point. This came up at a, in a previous podcast as well that um, what one of our pro tips that came out of the last podcast was love yourself, believe in what you're doing. As a fundamental beginning to any any level of entrepreneurship, you have to love yourself and believe in what you're doing. Because if you don't, you're going to really struggle to be able to promote yourself. You really yeah. are. That's a key component. You really are. What other, what other components of, of the left brain would you think are, are super important to bring into any business? Yeah, I think the biggie that I keep coming back to and I think that a lot of my clients rely on me for is I, I keep them focused on the sales and marketing side of the business which at the end of the day drives all the sales. Again, you could have the best product in the world, the best process, the best people, but if you can't continue to bring in new leads, new sales, new leads, new sales, eventually the business just can't sustain itself. Mm-hmm. So I always I always bring them back to that piece and we're always looking at how are sales this week, how are sales this month, how are leads this week, how are leads right. this month, and why? Mm-hmm. Why are they up, why are they down? What's going on with the offer? So there's so many tweaks that need to happen along the way 
within the offer, yeah, within what they're presenting online, let's say, that changes because the internet changes fast. So what might be converting amazingly for a month, and, and this drives me nuts, you'll wake up a month later and be like, we're not getting really any leads from the offer that we were killing it with a month ago. Right. So the, the, the challenge is you have to keep going back to that drawing board because things convert today, they don't convert tomorrow. Maybe mm-hmm. an offer like a free report type funnel works today, but maybe a webinar is better some other time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's just a page that has a video of what it is that you do and it jumps them onto a strategy session, right? Mm-hmm. There's so many free plus shipping offer with a book. Those convert very well where somebody does a book, they sell it online, just cover shipping and they get a little mini- micro buyer. And then on the next page, maybe they move them to a strategy session, right? Mm-hmm. There's so many ways to play the game, mm-hmm. but there's so many things that can go wrong with the game right. that makes the game, I don't know, it, it, it just, it makes you age fast, I guess, yeah. <laughs> that's what I find. But I always keep clients coming back to the sales and the marketing and the metrics. Mm-hmm. How are leads, how are sales, how are leads, how are sales? I don't want to hear about you continuing to make your product the best product in the world if right. there's literally not enough traction for it. And this happens a lot, by the way, with the creative audience is the creative audience falls in love with a concept. Mm-hmm. This happens on Shark Tank too. They fall in love with a concept. They fall in love with a product or a service and they put their whole life into it. They take all their family and friends money. Sometimes they take venture capital or they end up on Shark Tank looking to get money, but they've completely forgotten about can, do we have proof of concept? Right. Mm-hmm. Will it even sell? And you'd be shocked how many times it doesn't. Yet all that R&D and money and, and sweat and tears and emotion went into it because you fell in love with the product. Mm-hmm. Happens all the time. You fell in love with the craft, but yet it doesn't sell yeah. for whatever reason is the most demoralizing mm-hmm. thing that can happen and also the quickest thing that can bankrupt a business. Wow. Yeah. That might even be one of the biggest distinctions between the right brain and left brain in terms of entrepreneurship, that the right brain creative is going after it from a place of passion and mm-hmm. and um, belief in what their their product is from like a very personal standpoint. Right. Yes. But they're not tapping into the left side, which is logical. Does this even make sense? Will it work? Will it work? Will everyone else share a similar passion to this yeah. idea that you do? Yeah. And that's sometimes hard to know. So, you know, the, one, one a good tip, I guess, for the audience is if you think you have a concept that works, I don't know, maybe we'll play with something like. Well, the meal prep, right? The meal prep service. Meal prep. Yep. Providing meals. It's a perfect example. So so that business today, if you look at the, the economics and the logistics of that business right now, today, and we'll call it in Miami where we are because it's big here. It's probably big in a lot of cities, but it's we see it, it's big here. And we've probably been on like three different services, you well, and I, in yeah, the last yeah, couple yeah. of years. <laughs> we share ideas, right? Yeah. But the problem with the businesses right now is number one, there's a ton of competition, which is okay. Competition is good. Yeah. Number two, they're in a business that's easily commoditized. And that's like trigger number one for me is if you're in a business that's cost-driven, because they're not going to c- compete with anybody unless they have the lowest cost. Or right. what you do is you go to higher ground, which is what I always recommend, is you can stay in the little Walmart arena and try to win on price. But unless you have the Amazon budget, you're never going to do it. So what you would need to do is cater that meal prep program to a demographic and raise prices. So maybe they're the meal prep provider only to, I don't know, busy professionals or only to the legal industry or only to, you know, CrossFit boxes. You see what you see what That's I'm saying? Great. So they they figure out it's almost like they're only made for an audience versus trying to compete against anybody and everybody. And the second part about it from a money standpoint is there's no worse business than a business that you pay for something that you can stop paying for it 
with the click of a mouse. Right. Yeah. There is yeah. no worse business. So if I can get off your service by sending you an email and it's done in the next day, you need to run from that business or that business model real quick. So getting people locked into contracts, but really demonstrating why, because meal plans don't work. It's like diet stuff. Right. It doesn't work if it's only a month. So we need a 90 day commitment. So if you start locking right. in some money, that helps as well. Yeah. And I think that's another reason why it's difficult for right brain creatives to go the route of coming up with ways to keep people in because in, in in the creative mind sometimes it's like you're being too pushy to a potential client. And at a certain point, I realized that I needed to go out and get some of my clients when I was really building the wedding video business. And I was like, how am I going to get these people that have disappeared on me? And I was like, oh, you know what? Wait a second. Time. Time is always uh, scarce and is always can always drive a decision in some cases. So I would reach out to those clients that disappeared. I'm like, hey, uh, month of October is filling fast. I don't want you to lose your date. That's right. Let's let's get on a call and talk about your wedding. And they're like, oh my God, yeah, I'm sorry. I haven't been able to reach out. I just got so busy. So they wanted to give me the business, but they were just putting it on the back burner. Yep. And then here, that one email, that one phone call, turned into a sale yeah. essentially so it's like don't sit around and wait for them to come you have to be proactive and think of ways to bring them in mm -hmm. and that's really good organization of your outbound communication which is a big piece is because you did that you could probably do that many times over again mm -hmm. that's like a little system that you created mm -hmm. where you know where someone's at in the cycle you know when you communicated with them last and you know how to then go communicate with them again to get a sale yeah where most people are like just kind of winging it. Yeah. And it, and that's that's a difficult place to be if you don't really have a system or, or, or organization or, or a method of reaching out at a certain time. Some people do monthly physical newsletters, which are phenomenal. If, mm -hmm. if, if you know, that's not as common today as, as it has been. Direct mail pieces that go out. Do you know that Google and I think it's Airbnb, Google and Facebook could be one or two others of those, you know, the big tech companies. Do you know they're also the biggest direct mailers in the country? People don't wow. know this. They oh, have wow. monster direct mail budgets because they know, they know that in addition to digital mayhem where there's a lot of choices, mm -hmm. that they're going to also land on people's kitchen table as well. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. there's a lot of people that will actually take a physical invitation direct mail piece more serious than they will an internet ad. Right. Yeah. Right. So there's there's that dynamic as well. Yeah. And I don't I don't know if it holds up still, but I've heard before that your branding, your name, your messaging should hit three touch points to your viewer before they remember you. So online digital space, on your kitchen counter in a direct mail piece, and then on a billboard or in a magazine that they saw while they were getting Somewhere their hair else, done. Yeah. It's called being omnipresent and the more places you can be, it's almost like subconsciously you're like, I see this guy everywhere. Yeah. I see yeah. this girl everywhere. So therefore, subconsciously what what else do they think? If they're everywhere, what they're doing must be working. They must be legitimate. Therefore, I'll buy. Yes. Yeah. So when you're omnipresent like that, you eliminate a ton of selling resistance. So my new podcast called Sales Velocity, the tagline of the podcast is how the top businesses in the world sell more with less resistance. Mm -hmm. And they do it because they're so omnipresent. And there's things that they do to make themselves so visible that when it comes time to sell, the prospect is selling you on why they should. you should work with them in a lot of cases. Yeah. That's a nice place to be. Right. Yeah. Be visible, be visible. And real quick, going back to direct mail marketing, Amanda did some beautiful work for Crystal Cruise Ships, which is a client of, of both of ours. Mm -hmm. And I remember the marketing lady talking about how she, that was a, a program that she 
brought back and implemented with yeah. them because they weren't doing that at all. Mm-hmm. And now they made these beautiful brochures with the ships and the destinations. And that's exactly that reason. You'll get it in the mail. You'll see something that looks really nice. Maybe you're not going to look at it in detail at that moment, but you're going to put it on your kitchen counter. Because it's beautiful. And then later... It has shelf life. Yeah, you're going to go pick it up again. Could be two months from now. And then you're going to be like, oh, you know what? I was thinking about a vacation. Yeah. Cruise ship is perfect. I know where to go. Yes, absolutely. When when, when did the last email you guys got have shelf life? When did you like save it and put it on your desktop? (laughs) (laughs) You probably did. So that's why that's so important. That physical component will... People think that the physical component will go away. Like there's some people that think ignorantly, I might add, there will be no books, there will be no magazines, there will be no newspapers. There will be less, but they will still be here. Yes. Yeah. It's almost like saying there will be no live events. Right now, there's no Ugh. live events, but there will be live events. You will. guys are in the live <laughs> event business. I come from the live <laughs> event business, and I'm going back into it when I when I can. But Perfect. because it's such a sticky piece, yeah. because that's what creates the realness of your offer and your community and your model is getting live or seeing things live. Yeah. And then the internet sort of just nails it home because you can kind of be everywhere quick. Perfect. Yeah. And I want to go back to something that Andrew said because there was a pro tip moment Ooh, in there that we that snuck by, which is make yourself visible, be visible, omnipresent, omnipresent, mm. omnipresent. Pro tip moment, omnipresent. Pro so, tip moment of the day, huh? Yeah. All right. We'd like to do some pro tips here. That's good. So, as we come to the close of the show, Andrew, do you have any last tips? Some 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 things that are important for anyone. Maybe starting a business. Let, let's do. Let's do two. Let's do somebody starting a business, and then maybe somebody that's five or six years in, and feels like maybe they're not doing as well as they should be. You know, pandemic aside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the person starting a business. The best advice that I ever got from my mentor that I would always give to a new business owner is make the shift as quick as possible to being a marketer of your service, not a seller of your service. So you as the wedding photographer or photographer, video video in general, is when you shift from, I don't just sell video, I market video services. Even saying this to a doctor is usually like, what? Mm. You do cosmetic surgery? You're not a cosmetic surgeon, I would say to the doctor. You're a marketer of cosmetic services. And it's like, oh boy, okay, now that kind of changes the game. You you remove some of the emotion from it. Mm -hmm. And that's important. So that's important for the newer person so they don't get too in love with the deliverable and forget to market it. Mm-hmm. The person that's more established, they need to figure out ways, like we said in the beginning, to go beyond referral. The 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 only relying on referrals in warm market is the biggest crutch that business owners that are established rely on. And then they think that because they've been around so long, they're entitled to referrals and that they can live off referrals and it's unpredictable. So they need to figure out a way to bring in more and more leads cold, which is the hardest thing to do, cold leads, into their world to offset the, the the lack of reliability that comes with referrals oh, yeah. so that they have a couple different what we call fishing poles in the water. I yeah. get leads from referrals. I get some leads from social media. I do some paid ads on Facebook. I might have a direct mail campaign. So in that strategy, they can see like a portfolio of leads coming in. The more sta- that's more for an established business owner. Yeah. But the newer business owner needs to somehow make that paradigm shift as fast as they can so that they don't get stuck behind the scenes making the perfect product. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, understanding that at the beginning so you're not caught in a tough situation years down the line, essentially. And I love what you said about myself being uh, not a a producer of videos, but I should should be a a marketer of of videos. And video services. Video services. Early on, 
I, I thought it was interesting. I might just be shooting myself in the foot here, but with with the weddings, there's always two separate videos that we provided in, in the packages. It was one like highlight video that was shorter and one longer one that had everything. For the highlight video, and I remember this because when I was training my first video editor that I brought on, they were always like, oh, well, isn't the client gonna want that shot in the video, in the highlight video? And I'm like, no, no, no. So the highlight video is a commercial for us. It's not a video that oh. we're making for the client. That's always <laughs> That's smart. the outlook that I had on those yeah. videos. I was making it, for the company, not for the client. That's fantastic. And that's always why my videos were so different. And the clients mm. were like, your wedding video highlights are so different than the ones I'm seeing. It's because everybody else out there is making a video for the client. I'm making it for myself. Yeah. And it definitely set me apart and was the reason why I was able to continue the business in a sea of other wedding video companies yeah, out big. there you know that's big yeah you need to do everything you can to differentiate today you know that's kind of the final piece is whether you're new or established is because of the fact that there's so much competition today you need to figure out a way how to be unique in some way even if it's a twist on the service that right. is commoditized like like in your example of a video work well, there's a lot of people that do video work, so they're going to try to haggle you on price. But that if, if there's a certain little niche or specialty within the way you do video, mm -hmm. then that becomes appealing, right? right? Yeah. So that's that's kind of the, the, the key also. And then what makes you unique? So that we, you know, we talk in my world about unique selling proposition. So if somebody said, what is it that you do for you to be able to ring off a unique selling proposition, something that is compelling and makes you different right away, the, the, the person goes, wow, it's almost like that elevator pitch. The person goes, wow. They got their stuff together. Yeah. Right. So little little things like that about the way you position yourself and differentiate yourself make a big difference early on and later on. Very important. Very important. This was a jam packed podcast full of pro tips. The whole thing was a pro tip. The whole entire thing was lunch. <laughs> Tell us where listeners can get in contact with you, website, any information to get in touch and and check out that that book, Sales Velocity. Yeah, Sales Velocity is on Amazon. Mm -hmm. My personal site is andrewjcass, C A S S dot com. To take a test drive of my software, uh, Pipeline Pro, mm -hmm. uh, sales and marketing CRM system is gopipelinepro.com. Great. Excellent. Andrew, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, Amanda, thank yeah. you. You're welcome. Thank you both. Thank you guys. Appreciate and, the invite. And I encourage any listener, every listener, to think about your business, think about Think about what you're doing to structure yourself and get ahead of leads, marketing, and don't just wait around for a referral to come in because it's it's the lazy way to do things. And we're proactive people. We want to be successful in our creative endeavors, and we don't we want to break that stigma, that stereotype of being a starving artist. So get yourself in touch with with people like andrew that can coach you on how to be better business owners uh and and leaders in in your own creative endeavors and i encourage you to listen and subscribe share the podcast because there are many many people out there that are hiding in the closet of entrepreneurship and they're waiting to get out start their own business and pursue their passions <laughs>